Welcome to Truth Matters, a ministry of the First Church of God in Glasgow, Kentucky. Truth Matters believes in the words in Acts 2.47 that proclaim, The Lord adds to His church daily, such as should be saved. We believe in the Great Commission Christ gave before returning to the Father, and we obey His command in Matthew 28.19 to go and make disciples of all men. Now join us as Pastor Terry Ames gives today's message. And today, starting off our holiness series we're going to be doing, I want to get the hard stuff over with. I mean, I listen to them songs, and the Lord touches my heart, and I get ready to get up here and preach, and I just get happy thinking about the Lord. But I also understand, too, that, that I have a responsibility. And that responsibility is to make sure you understand what Jesus wants out of us. You hear people all the time saying, well, it's not works, and that is absolutely right. It's not works. But once you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, there should be a change in you. There should be some word, something that shows that you've changed, not just an outside thing, not something you have to consciously do, but you just, you've just changed your outlook on everything. The world looks different. The same words you used to say without thinking about it no longer come out of your mouth. When you hear those same words, you cringe. When you hear the Lord's name taken in vain, you cringe. Where it used to be, I used to take the Lord's name in vain almost every other sentence. When you, you look at people and you say, man, I hope they're saved. When you look at people and you go, I want to spend time in heaven with you too. Then you start getting a desire, and you know that the Lord and the Holy Spirit is living in you, but there's been no change at all, and you can declare you're a carnal Christian. You're free to do everything. Folks, I'm going to put the squash to that right now. You are, if you're a Christian, you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you're one of his children, you are not free to do everything. There's freedom. When we say freedom, we're talking about freedom also to say no. Sure, there's lots of things you can do. People say, well, I can't have fun being a Christian around a bunch of stuffy people. Hey, I have more fun with you guys than I have with anybody. I have had more fun with you guys than I've had in years. Wednesdays, Saturdays, Sundays. You all at least accepted me as being a pastor who's not stuffy. And I will joke with you and I will tease with you and everything else. But when I get up here, it's serious time. I'm serious. I'm serious. I may say something amusing that I find amusing. You may think, oh, that's silly. But it's all in the spirit of being serious about the gospel. But it was brought up the other day about holiness, and I'm like, you know, I, I did this once before when we first came here, and maybe I need to redo it. Because the Bible says that God is holy and that we must be holy to come before him. So let's get out of the way what God calls abominations. Because with any of these, you can't come before God. Now, there's going to be a couple places in here that you're going to think when I first say it, it might be a little controversial about sin. I want you to hear it out until I get to the end and, I, and until the end of that particular section. And I think you'll see where I'm coming from. But our text today is Romans 10, 8 through 13. And it reads, but what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. 
that is the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For where the heart one believes into righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made into salvation. Alan mentioned that earlier. For the scripture says, whosoever believes on him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich to call, rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for the hearts that have came here today, Lord. Thank you for those that are here to hear what you want to be said. And Lord, will take what you say and treasure in their heart like little treasures, little gold nuggets, Lord. Father, let them be open to this. Let them give them the hearts and the ears to understand. Lord, let me only preach your word, nothing from me, all from you. Dear Lord, I ask that you continue to look after each and every one. You know how much I love them. How much I'm so happy to see them when they come through the doors. Father, just so that I can love on them and preach preach to them. And tell them what it is you want them to hear today. Now, Father, as we start this holiness, Lord, there's going to be some tough times for some, including myself. So let me preach as if I'm preaching to me. And let that word go out to the others. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. All my translations today are the verses out of the New King James Bible. I know a lot of you have those, or some of you have those, and I've just been kind of mixing them up so you can follow along. Is there a difference between an abomination and a sin? Well, let me get it right off the table. Sin is sin. Sin is sin. But there is a big difference in a matter of degrees if you look at the Bible. All abominations are sin. But not every single sin, some of which are unintentional, rises to the level of being an abomination to God. If I walk across the floor and stump my toe, and suddenly a D word comes out of my mouth, that's an unintentional sin. It just came out. I mean, my, my heart's pure to God, but for some reason in my past, I used to say that word, and it might slip out. That's a sin. It has to be repented. Lord, I'm sorry for using the foul language. I'm sorry for cursing. Uh, and, and I'm, you know, Jesus says he's there to forgive your sin. He's, he's faithful. But there are some things that God says that he hates and that they're an abomination to him. Committing abominations elicit much stronger anger and fierce judgments and punishments from the Almighty Creator. If you read that, if you read that, You'll see where there is wrath that eventually comes on people or nations. See, God is a God of love. God is also a God of wrath and judgment. God being God because he loves does not mean that he can go on and overlook things that are not right and things that he hates. If he's a God of love, he's got to be a God of hate. You say, oh, God can't hate. Oh, yes, he can. The Bible says he does. Abominations have much more to do with the level of anger it creates in God and the level of punishment and judgments that will come from them. All abominations are sin, once again, but not all, not all sin is an abomination. I'm going to press that again. However, we still cannot come before a holy God 
without the forgiveness of any and all sins through his son, Jesus Christ. Sodom and Gomorrah created abominations before the Lord. He destroyed them. The earth before the flood, the people on that earth had become so evil and so many abominations were taking place that God's wrath and judgment came through upon the earth. And there was only one little family that was righteous before God. Everybody was on the earth then. What did he do? He destroyed it with, with flood. So if we're going to learn what holiness is, we've got to learn what God doesn't like. What God, God hates. What's an abomination to him? So here, let's start getting to it. Idolatry. Deuteronomy 7.25 says, You shall burn the carved images of their gods with fire. You shall not covet the silver or gold that is on them, nor take it for yourselves, lest you be snared by it, for it is an abomination to the Lord your God. Idolatry is an abomination. It does not have to mean, an idol does not have to be this big statue standing up that you come and kneel down to when you come through the doors. Idolatry could be money. Idolatry could be a spouse. Idolatry could be a girlfriend. Idolatry could be your home. Idolatry could be your car. Idolatry could be a ball game. Anything you put before God is idolatry. And God says it is an abomination to him. God has to be first and foremost in your life. God has to take precedence. He is a jealous God. Nobody preaches that anymore either. And he has a right to be. He created you. Who more has the right to be jealous if you've taken your love to something else than, than taking it to your creator? Wouldn't you be jealous? Wouldn't you be jealous if your child decided all of a sudden, I'm going to go over to the next door neighbors, and I love them, call them mom and daddy, and I'm not coming back home anymore, and I love them, and I'm going to cry for them and want them. You want to tell me you wouldn't get jealous? You wouldn't get upset? Sure you would. No idols. Another one is spiritism and witchcraft. Oh, that's big today, isn't it? They don't believe in the Holy Ghost. They don't believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But oh, they'll believe in ghosts. They'll believe in witchcraft. They'll be in divinations. They believe in tarot cards. They'll believe in anything, trying to learn your future. Astrology in the, in the newspaper. Oh, they'll believe all that stuff. But what happens if, if you go to it? What happens if you practice it? What happens if you even have anything to do with it? It says, There shall not be found among you anyone who makes his son or his daughter pass through the fire, or one who practices witchcraft, or a soothsayer, or one who interprets omens, or a sorcerer, or one who conjures spells, or a medium, or a spiritist, or one who calls up the dead. For all who do these things are an abomination to the Lord. And because of these abominations, the Lord your God drives them out before you. Have you noticed what God has done? When it says on here, doesn't want to find anyone among you who makes his son or daughter pass through the fire. You know what that's referring to? Moloch. They would take their babies and sacrifice them to Moloch. And how would they do that? They would put the babies alive in the idol, in the statue of Moloch, and it'd have a roaring fire under it, and they would burn their babies alive. And as their babies screamed, it would sound like the roar of Moloch coming out through his nostrils. 
So where does God put abortion? The killing of babies. Don't tell me abortion is not idolatry. You're putting yourself before that child. You don't want the child because, oh, it's going to cramp my style. Oh, I got things to do. Or I'm, 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 oh, I'm going to be shamed. Or I just don't want the baby. I don't want to have to fool with that. Who have you made an idol? Yourself. So if sacrificing to Moloch or sacrificing that child yourself, still, God calls it abomination. Have you noticed that every nation that ever practices baby killing is judged in the Bible? God calls them an abomination. But we practice it, don't we? There's a judgment coming if it's not already here. Cheating others is an abomination to God. Deuteronomy 25, 13 through 16 says, You shall not have in your bag differing weights, a heavy and a light. You shall not have in your house differing measures, a large and a small. You shall have a perfect and just weight, a perfect and just measure, that your days may be lengthened in the land which the Lord your God has given you. For all who do such things, all who behave unrighteously, are an abomination to the Lord. You own a business, don't cheat the customer. They're talking about the weights. Remember the weights they used to have? Used to have them in town at the local grocery store. When it come time, we'd say you wanted 10 pounds or something. He actually still had the old weights. He put up, or, or say two pounds. He put up two one pound things on one side, and then he would put whatever the cheese or the bologna, whatever he was having cut on the other side to weigh it out. Long before digital scales. Well, some people could have something cheated and it would cheat, and you get less than two pounds. But he charged for two pounds. That was that's cheating. That's what we're talking about. Don't cheat your neighbor. Don't cheat your customers. Don't cheat anybody else. God says it's an abomination. And I'm telling you, if you don't, he'll bless you. He'll bless you. Now, let's get into seven things God hates. Seven things. That's in Proverbs 6, 16 through 19. That's basically just what I'm getting ready to read to you. A proud look. You want to know what a proud look looks like? Look at any of these selfies on the internet. Look at these, any of these selfies people send you on your phone. They got a, I mean, they got a buffalo standing two feet behind them, and then the buffalo gets them in the rear end, and they wonder why. They want to go up and get, there's a bear line, and they want to get up a selfie. Those are proud looks. I'm going to tell you something. I heard a preacher tell it the other day, and he's totally right. Stop with the selfies. You made, an, you made yourself an idol. Now you got a proud look. You got to do them. Poses. Well, I mean, you know, you just you just don't. Don't have a proud look. God hates it. There's nothing to be proud of. You can you can enjoy yourself. You can make yourself look nice. But you belong to God. He created you. Be thankful that God gave you the looks. How about a lying tongue? How many times in the Bible do you hear about God hates a lying tongue? You hear more about that than you do about homosexuality. You hear more about that than you hear about adultery. He hates a lying tongue. If you catch yourself saying one, and, you, and I'm telling you folks, white lies, yes. I've told my wife, quit asking me if this looks good on me. Not that I don't think my wife looks good, but I just prefer some things over other things. Don't ask me unless you want an honest answer. You say, well, that's kind of petty. No, he says don't lie. It's better just not to say anything. 
Hands that shed innocent blood, once again, abortionists, or people that kill people. God hates a murderer. If they're innocent, he hates them. Innocent blood, he says. He's not talking about self-defense, not protecting your family. He's not talking about that. Innocent blood, children, adults, the mentally handicapped, older, the elderly. They're innocent, blood is shed, God calls it an abomination. A heart that devises wicked plans. They sit around all day thinking about, oh man, we need to do this, we can do that, we can get away with this, why to do that? Mm-mm. God says, I hate that, it's an abomination. Feet that are swift and running to evil. Any people you know that anytime, some, okay, let's take for, for instance, somebody that you've never even heard had any problem with anything, they're just pretty laid back, but BLM or somebody comes in town and they start riding, tearing up downtown, they're going to get in the action, man. No, God says that's an abomination. I hate that. You're running to evil. Why? For evil's sake. A false witness who speaks lies. He's talking about lying again. But he's talking about lying against your neighbor. A false witness. I think back to how many people has lied on the, on the jury stand, I mean on the witness stand when I was a policeman. And I think, man... God says, that's an abomination. See, you can start reading this stuff and looking back and thinking, oh, wow. Did I do it? I didn't lie on the witness stand, but have I ever told lies in my life? Yes. It's an abomination to God. They have to repent of it. Sorry, God. Give me a heart that, 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 never, that never does that again. And if I do, do tell one, Lord, smack me upside the head and say, repent of that. And tell them, correct that with them. And one who sows discord among the brethren. Uh-oh. Now we're hitting home some churches, some businesses, some schools. But he's really talking about the churches, the Christian brothers and sisters. He finds an abomination for those that's, that's always behind people's back. That's always talking against this one or talking against that one. Seeding discord amongst the brethren. God says, I hate that. There's no reason for that. I've told you, to, if you've got something against your neighbor, go up to them, or brother or sister, go to them. You don't have to talk behind their back, but some people love to do that. And then they start getting, then you have church splits, or you have a bunch of discord going on. Okay, a perverse heart. He finds a, pers- a perverse heart abominable. Proverbs eleven twenty says, those who are of a perverse heart are an abomination to the Lord, but the blameless in their ways are his delight. It just means a, a heart that's not pure. It's crooked. It's thinking of wicked things all the time. Constantly. You know people like that. Everybody, I think, knows somebody that just seems like they never, never have a, have a not only a nice thing to say about anybody, but they're, they're never happy. They're always devising little schemes here and there. It's like, just stop. Don't participate in it. Once again, lying lips. How many times are we going to say this? But God brings it up a lot, doesn't he? Got to be a reason. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who deal truthfully are his delight. Are his delight. Be honest about things. Or just don't say nothing at all. Sometimes it's not anybody's business. Sometimes that you're going to be put in a position. And like I said, most times it's just, if it's going to put you in a position, just don't say nothing. Say, I'd rather not comment on that. 
I know you're thinking it's hard with family members, and it is. But remember who you're serving. About unacceptable offerings. The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination. How much more when he brings it with the wicked intent. Now you saw that in the New Testament. Where they come before Peter. And what it was is back then they was, they was taking up. People were selling some of the land or some of their possessions. And giving money to help expand the gospel of God. The gospel of Jesus Christ. And they were using that money to, to help pay for the missionaries. Peter would send that money out and, and use it to, to expand the word of God. And so there was a couple there, and, the, and they sold a piece of land. And I'm sure the way you read it, they had told Peter, we sold it for X amount of dollars, and we're giving it to the church to help with the mission or whatever. Let's say $3,000. They really sold it for six, but you know, they're saying 3000 because it makes it feel big in front of Peter. It makes, is they want Peter to sit there and think, oh, and everybody think, oh, these are such wonderful people. Look what they've done. They've sold everything, given it all. No, they're just doing it to make themselves look big. So that's an unacceptable offering. Why? Because number one, you're lying. Number two, you're, you're being deceitful. You're cheating. Pretty much everything that says this is an abomination. What did he do? He killed the husband. God killed the husband. Peter didn't. God killed him. He fell down dead right there when Peter accused him of it. That doesn't mean you have to put a certain amount in the offering plate. It doesn't mean that. What it means is you don't have to lie about it. We're not asking you, as Peter said, was it not yours to sell? You didn't have to give us anything, really. But you decided to puff yourself up. And so when the wife came in, the same questions were passed, and guess what? She lied too. Bam. The Lord took her life. And it took them out and buried them. Unacceptable offering. You don't have to lie about it. We know there's people in this church that are, are more blessed than there are others. With skills, stamina, money, than others. I don't ever ask you to put anything in. We just pass a plate around. I never preach on tithing. But you don't have to puff yourself up and say, well, I gave so much. God will take care of it. Those who refuse the word. Proverbs 28 9 says, One who turns away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer is an abomination. Hey, family, I pray and God doesn't answer. Have you accepted Christ your Savior? I've told you about Jesus. No, I'm not ready for that yet. Someday I might. But God just don't answer my prayers. Guess why? Because they're an abomination to him. So only one prayer he's going to answer before is for you to accept Christ as Savior and repent and pray to God to save you. But if you refuse the word, he finds it an abomination. Because why? The word's about his son. Jesus is the word. He became flesh. People who demand respect from men. Oh, we see that all over the place today, don't we? Luke 16, 14 and 15 says, Now the Pharisees, who were lovers of money, also heard all these things, and they derided him. And he said to them, You are those who justify yourselves before men, but God knows your hearts. For what is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. We all know people that puff themselves up and they put on these airs. My mom used to always say, so-and-so puts their pants on the same way you do. 
But they demand respect. They want all these titles. The doctor, reverend, apostle, bishop, blah, blah, blah. Don't need titles. Lisa can tell you, I mean, officially, because I'm ordained through the Church of God, they send me stuff all the time. It's got Reverend Terry Ames on there. And that's fine, but I don't tell people to call me Reverend nothing. I'm not Reverend. I, I, God's, God's, who, God's my boss. He's Reverend, not me. But that's me and putting titles on. I just go by brother or pastor. And that just shows that I have a church that I pastor. I don't de- demand respect from anybody. Well, why are we here today? Got to respect me. Got to respect me. Kids, seven, eight, nine years old now, Sam. He disrespected me. You don't get respect yet. You got to earn my respect. You got to earn it. You don't just demand it. But people demand respect today, don't they? They'll sit there and tell you. you got, I'm important. You got to respect me. No, I don't. Show me something to respect, and then I'll respect you. Now, here's the thing. I hit you with all these today for a reason. Not just because I want to get through it. It's not that God gave me the message. It's to get you set up to show you the things he loves. The things he wants. That it's not all just you get saved and then you go live for the devil. God demands holiness because you cannot come before a holy God with sin on you. You can't do it. That's why if you, if you, if you do a sin, if you commit a sin... You should be getting some type of conviction about it. And just stop right there and ask the Lord to forgive you. Truthfully, He'll know your heart. You're not going to go through life without committing some type of of transgression against God. You're just not going to do it. Because why? Because you have a human side. The only perfect person in this world was Jesus Christ. You're not perfect enough without the blood of Jesus to come before God. You are not. You have to have the blood of Jesus Christ. You have to have his son. You have to go through Jesus Christ to come before a holy God. You have to do it. There's no other way. There wouldn't be another way because that's the way God chose. So what does he say? You've got to be holy. That's why we're going to talk about it here in the next couple of weeks, two or three weeks. Because here's the thing. Even though one of you may have been guilty of any of these, and I have. Folks, I have. You are not alone because everybody sinned. Everybody sinned. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All of us have fallen short of God's glory. And you know what? In our human form, we will continue at times by either word or deed fall short of the glory of God. We will get angry at somebody. We'll have a crossword about somebody. We'll maybe start, start talking about somebody. We'll start doing something. Everybody has different flaws and sins. So we can't come before God unless we're holy. How we do that? Through Jesus Christ. See, there's hope. Let's remember our study text we first opened with, and then I'll close. Romans 10.9, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And you're right, Alan. You'll be saved. You believe in your heart, not just lip service. You believe in here that Jesus 
was raised from the dead, and that he can be, he can save you from your sins. And then you confess Lord Jesus. I'm not saying that you have to run up and down the street in the middle of downtown Glasgow yelling out, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. But he tells you, do not be ashamed of me. Somebody says, what are you doing Sunday? I'm going to church. What are you going to church for? Because I want to hear, the, I want to hear something from Jesus. What, what are you doing Saturday? Well, I'm going to a, a Bible study down at church. Or we're having a Bible study. Or I'm just going over and visit with friends, and we're going, we're going to have a gospel singing or something. Well, what are you doing that for? Because I love Jesus. I love my Christian friends. See, you confess Jesus. I'm not saying, it's, it's not getting out here and saying, oh, I'm so holy. Here, I'm confessing Jesus. No, that's calling attention to yourself. You take the opportunity and everybody t- ask you something, the Lord opens the door, and you just say, it's because of Jesus. So then what happens? What happens? You make it all the way through this life, and then all of a sudden you, you confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and you repent of your sins? Not only are you saved, listen to this. Luke 15.10 says, Likewise I say to you, there is joy in the presence of angels of God over one sinner who repents. There's joy in heaven. When you gave your life to Christ and repented of your sins, do you know the heavens erupted with joy? It kind of reminds me sometimes where you, that you go to these places like the hospital. The hospital has where the baby, the baby's born, they'll start playing a lullaby song. And everybody in the hospital that's in the know knows the baby was just born in the hospital. Okay. It's the same thing up there. There's, a, there. there's some type of signal God puts out, or somehow they know, and it says, joy in the angels in heaven. They're before God with joy because you repented and gave your life to the Lord. Do you ever think you can move heaven? People say, well, they'll move heaven and earth. You don't have to move earth. You can move heaven. You can move heaven at least one time before you get there. And that's when you give your life to Christ and repent. See, you're never too far gone. Even in these abominations, you say, well, Terry, you told me all that. I can't be saved. Yes, you can. Sure you can. Sure you can. You can still enter into the presence of, God, of a holy God. That's why he sent his only begotten son. There's joy that you repented your sins. Has there been joy for you? Have you stirred heaven up? Have you stirred heaven up? Because you repented and accepted Jesus as your Savior. Has heaven been stirred up and joy been sounded throughout heaven? The angels are shouting for joy. And if not, why not? Why haven't you? Why haven't you given your life to Christ? If not, if you strayed away, why haven't you rededicated your life to Christ? If, if, you, if you don't know Christ, and I've preached all this time, why are you still sitting there? Why don't you say, Terry, I need to talk to you. I need to say, be saved. So I'm going to do this every Sunday. I'm going to do this every time I preach. We're going to have an invitation. You may have been here for 20 years, but maybe that 21st year something clicks, and you realize maybe, maybe I didn't get saved. Maybe I just like this, but I really haven't given it all up yet. you got to give it all up. you got to give it all up. So I'm going to have an invitation this morning. If you don't know Christ, come up here. If you don't want to come up here right now, we'll talk in the office afterwards. But I want to make sure everybody knows Christ. Let's all stand. This has been Truth Matters. 
a ministry of the First Church of God in Glasgow, Kentucky. You may email us at glasgow1chog at gmail.com or visit us at 1517 Glenview Drive in Glasgow. Join us next time for another insightful and timely message from Truth Matters. I'm Lisa Ames. God bless.